0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News.
1: That's the sound of police detaining protesters in Shanghai, China last Sunday. Tensions have been flaring in recent days over COVID-19 restrictions and in the wake of a deadly fire in the country's far west. The implications of this tense situation in China is the focus of this week's Views Room. Welcome back to the Views Room, the podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlin, coming to you from London. Tensions are rising in China around the country's zero COVID policy, and I'm delighted to be joined by Yowen Chen and Pete Sweeney, who are going to talk to me all about the protests, the COVID policy itself and what this all means for the rest of the world. Yawen, very nice to chat to you. Pete, very nice to chat to you. So, Yawen, I'll start with you. We are in a situation away from China. I just literally got on the tube this morning. Pretty busy tube. Two people in wearing masks in the entire carriage. If you go into restaurants, they're busy, bustling. Nobody is wearing masks. So it seems like Certainly, in this country and any other country I've been to lately, they are living with COVID. That is certainly the the, the policy. A certain amount of deaths are acceptable. Most people are vaccinated. So tell us, Yawen, what is the situation in China at the moment?
2: Yeah, Amy, I think that's that's like most countries in the world right now, but except in China where everybody wears a mask. And I think cities accounting for like 65% of China's economic activity are under some kind of lockdown because China is experiencing its worst um, COVID outbreak ever since the lockdown in Shanghai a few months ago. But even by saying it's the biggest outbreak so far, that's like COVID cases has only hit 40,000 on Sunday. It's come down a little bit to like 38,000 cases per day. Um, so I think on a global scale, it's pretty small, but for Chinese officials who have really tried to keep infections and that's close to zero, um, it's a huge spike for them. So everybody, especially the local officials in smaller cities and rural areas, they're all trying to um, lock everybody down, putting up barricades on the streets, ordering businesses and restaurants to shut, um, telling everyone to stay at home. So things have got so bad that in places like um, Murimuchi and in the, Mo- in the Mongolia, where high risk areas with COVID cases found, people are forced to stay in their homes for as long as like 100 days. Because, I mean, yeah, there, uh, uh,
0: of- there was a house caught on fire, a resident, it wasn't a house, it was a residential complex caught on fire, um, in Mulamuchi and, um, in Xinjiang. And, uh, and that has kind of been become a political, sparked off a political problem because a, a bunch of people died. I think it was like 10 people or so. Died in the fire. Um, by and the official th- account. By the official account. Now, there is, we have no information on what exactly happened, but something, a story circulated on social media um, that this was people were unable to escape because the doors had been closed and barricaded because they were under quarantine. Um, this followed another earlier case where there was a uh, bus crash in Guizhou, I believe that had some terrible accident, the people in it died. That was also kind of blamed on COVID containment. Um, But that has really touched, you know, kind of a a, a match to this this powder keg. We had three straight days of massive protests in China all around the country, you know, in Shanghai, in Beijing, Chengdu, uh, Wuhan, other cities. Um, It's really quite unprecedented. It it appears, it's, it's difficult to count, but it appears to be the most significant nationwide unrest since the Tiananmen Square. Protest in 1989, which Beijing put down with tanks. It's a huge deal, and it is mostly about the government's approach to COVID-19. You have this spike in case rates. It's like maybe around 40,000 people a day. It's flattened out a little bit recently, but that's way up from, you know, in the hundreds like last year per day. And the the population still has been reluctant to get vaccinated, the elderly population in particular. So the concern is that China is facing a similar outcome to what Hong Kong had um, when it lost control of the virus. And its death rate per capita was higher than the United States because of all these old people in Hong Kong nursing homes refused to vaccinate were taking traditional medicine or whatever. And there was just this catastrophic death rate in a society where the elderly are venerated. Yes. Um, so right now, everybody's kind of watching to see what Beijing does, um, that the street protests have died down. Um, to a certain extent. We've also had, you know, problems at like, you know, iPhone assembly plants where workers have, have tried to leave quarantine, escape their well, their, their kind of closed loop dormitories where they just live on 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 site on the factory. There's been all these riots, people throwing chairs and all sorts of stuff, like really impressive stuff on social media. And so everybody's kind of watching what's happening, because the Chinese economy hasn't been doing well. Now you've got a spike in COVID cases, and you've got this political unrest. And, and really, nobody knows what to make of it, but it's a very, very bad look at present.
1: Absolutely, and I mean this—the this situation. Uh, yeah, well, I'll switch back to you. The situation with the forty thousand cases, sort of, as you said, this is a, a relatively known low number given the given, you know, obviously the population of China. But it's too much for the government that has pursued this policy of, you know, no deaths. But this obviously isn't working. So if you're thinking about that from the government's perspective, the answer to that, I assume, is to go even harsher, right? Go even harsher on restrictions, maybe a national lockdown. What What
2: are the thoughts? What are the kind of discussions going on about that? I think that's the fear. And that's why residents are uh, hesitant to take it for longer and going onto the streets to protest because um, it just seems like... So I've I've personally heard anecdotes where people are saying look we've been on the lockdown for 3 years but we're still having this back and forth with the you know occasional flare ups it's not like we can completely eliminate covid-19 as we hoped but at the same time you see the economy really collapsing people are out of their jobs and it's, it's it's income not being earned right so i think we're at a point where chinese people are at the on the edge of edge and they're just wondering what's what's the end of this like how do we exit this this really tricky scenario
0: The problem is that this is a government that ordinarily is very good at having plans, having targets, having timelines, you know, and and then achieving them. And it's quite noticeable that, like, in this case, there's no roadmap for how Beijing normalizes. Nobody's heard this from the government. I mean, keeping in mind, in 2021, the government was quite pleased with its performance because China was one of those normal places to live in. I mean, if if you didn't travel in and out of the country, if you're one of the, the Chinese people who didn't have a passport, who never traveled abroad, China didn't have COVID. You know, I mean, the death rate was was absolutely minimal for the population side. Life was normal. I had friends living there. They're like, this is, I mean, I can't go see my family, but otherwise life is great. I don't have to deal with all this mess, you know, and it looks like a lot of officials were like, hey, we, you know, we won. We've got the model for this. We just need to wait for it to go away and then we'll sort it. And now it's not going away. And it's clear it's whatever they do, you know, we don't know what the next variant is going to be, but it's blown through these control measures. There's also questions as to whether the case counts are being underreported by local governments at this point that are pretty desperate to normalize business activity, revive their real estate market, which is also crashing, which is a whole other huge problem. I mean, they want to normalize, they don't want to stay locked down forever because their fiscal revenues are collapsing. And there's no plan. You know, so if you're a foreign company, if you're a Chinese individual, if you're anybody, you're waiting for Beijing to say something besides like Plan A is working and we're still not hearing it. What we're just seeing is kind of gradual fraying of control, fraying of people's nerves. And so the risk is that you get this disorderly exit from COVID zero, um, where the government just kind of loses control of the situation, the disease gets out, Keeping in mind that like you can vaccinate against the disease, but it doesn't stop you from getting it. And there's a lot of people in China, you know, for all these people out in the streets who are like complaining that like we're locked up in our apartments. But there's a lot of people in China who really don't want to get COVID and we quite unhappy when you do normalize because they think that's giving in. So I mean, there was this one city, Shijiazhuang, that tried to ease up COVID controls. They're like, we're going to relax, and you know, for, instead of everybody being like, we we can go out and go shopping, like all these people cowered in their houses. So even if they ease up that doesn't mean there's going to be some sort of economic Saturnalia ensues where everybody goes out to the movies and restaurants.
1: There is a, there is a process. And I think, again, as I said, you know, sort of being in a Western country where we all kind of came out of this, we were in, you know, pandemic mode for quite a long time. And and like even six months ago, everyone on the tube was in masks. People were quite fearful spending, you know, we didn't want to be in crowded areas. And that then just sort of naturally eased. And I think that I sort of wonder if China is able to get to a point where, but I suppose it all comes down, Pete, doesn't it, to vaccination, right? Because that, what that's the difference with, with the rest of the world is that you don't have a high death rate because you vaccinated the vulnerable. And I suppose what I'm wondering is, is there a way that they can come out with a, an effective vaccine? What are the what are the prospects of a an mRNA vaccine that could be coming out of China? or allowing a company like Pfizer or Moderna to partner with a Chinese company and and basically get the, the vaccines
2: rolled out that way? Amy, I think you raised a really interesting question. I think I just want to clarify first that China actually has a very high vaccination rate. Even when we're saying like, oh, there are people who are under-vaccinated among elderly, um, if you look at the population above 60 um, years old, I think 90% of them have at least received one jab. So internationally speaking, that's, it's probably a pretty high standard. And by that point, a lot of countries have, have chosen to open up already, but for China, because the population is huge, even if you have like 10% of people who are vulnerable and who aren't vaccinated, and supposedly there is a debate about whether Chinese vaccines are more, are less effective than say the foreign mRNA vaccines. So, so In that case, like I've done some calculations, about 27 million um, elderly people above 60 are not vaccinated at all. So this is a problem, but supposedly if the Chinese government has not stagnated their effort in the past, like six to eight months, um, so they they basically stopped vaccinating um, or very slowly implementing the campaign since earlier this year, I think partly because Omicron has been so infectious, um, and because of that, I think I think it's a it's a problem even if they're determined to open up. But then there's also the political question of whether like whether if you snap reopen China too quickly without being adequately prepared, like in Hong Kong's case, you're gonna have a huge political backfire just because say there's a like half of the country is against opening up, and they're so worried, like Pete said, about catching COVID or oh, they have all this fear about it then you have a very divided population um, that I think the people will be kind of worried about who to please first.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the vaccine question is, I mean, the problem is partly political and that the government just kind of like made its ability to hold the absolute death rate down so low as part of like patting itself on the back for winning, you know, and if it shoots up, you know, even if in, in relative terms, it's a small number, Um, you know, in absolute terms, it'll probably be a pretty high number that will not look that good. The other thing is that the elderly are, in China, a particularly potent lobbying force, and the people who have not gotten vaccinated, you know, have done so because they feel very passionately about the vaccines. It is entirely possible you'll have a bunch of elderly people in motorized wheelchairs outside local government offices screaming and yelling, and that is just a political nightmare for these guys that everybody likes. I mean, it's worth noting that Beijing tried, the city of Beijing, the capital, you know, which has been able to, like, lock Tens of millions of people inside their houses in Shanghai and, you know, probably hundreds of millions around the country for days on end was unable to actually have a vaccine mandate. They tried to ram one out and within 24 hours, they abandoned it. That tells you something about the depth of resistance these guys are going to run into if they try to shove needles into old people's veins, even if for their good. But if they need a target, if they required it like some sort of accomplishment to hit, the vaccination rate is something they can use. They can say to everybody, okay, once the vaccination rate gets here, we will then lower this policy, right? And as long as we hold the death rate down to this, we will not do that. If they lay out some sort of ladder of progress and they can pick whatever it is, and this is a government that can fudge statistics, they can do all sorts of things they want to do, they have absolute control of the bureaucracy and the statistical system. If they can just kind of march in that direction, then I think everybody will relieve because they'll know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But right now, nobody has any idea of whether we're gonna have a completely chaotic exit and an explosion in cases that flood the healthcare system, or alternatively, we're gonna stay locked down forever. You can't make life decisions. You can't make investment decisions. You can't buy plane tickets in that sort of environment. You can't go on vacation. It's it's so they just need to figure it out. And the longer they sit there and, and diddle about it, the, the worse it's gonna get. Um, but there is absolutely no easy way out for them, including foreign mRNA vaccines or whatever. That is that's that is is not going to save them at this yeah, point.
2: Yeah, so she- especially, like there are some scary research out there about what if China opens up, uh, what's gonna happen? And I think yeah. one study showed that if China has a full Omicron wave, I think the peak demand for critical care will be 15 times the existing capacity, and China's gonna have 1.5 million deaths. So um, it's a situation where we don't know we don't know how to verify those figures, but it's a situation that scares a big part of the country and supposedly the CCP as well absolutely
1: and i suppose if you are outside of china as you say thinking either just about the global economy and supply chains and all of the things that come with this kind of chaos it's not it's not a good sign for anyone right no
0: Although it might be good news for inflation if Chinese consumer consumption doesn't come booming back, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's the, that's one, the, the one, silver lining,
1: the one let's, silver let's lining. Let's
0: pray if China gets it out, and there is not a wave of deaths, and everything settles down, and and the government finds a way out. And I think that's what everybody's rooting
1: for. Absolutely. Well, Yowen, Pete, very, very interesting chat. And um, for every all of our listeners, they are writing amazing stuff on breakingviews.com. So um, take a listen and we'll be chatting again soon. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Yowan. Thank, Thank you. For having us. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Thomas Shum in Hong Kong. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Acast, Megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. Check out our latest views on these stories and many others at BreakingViews.com and on Twitter, where our handle is at BreakingViews.